Hey everyone, this is episode 47 of Sketch Watch Play, a pop culture podcast talking movies, TV, cartoons, video games, and everything that comes with those. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and most third-party podcast apps and directories. If you want to stay updated or send us feedback and topic suggestions, you can email us at sketchwatchplay at gmail.com, Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SketchWatchPlay. Join the Discord server located in episode descriptions. And if you enjoy what you hear, you can support the show by leaving positive reviews on Apple Podcasts and spreading the words of friends, family, social media, the works. I am John Fleury, and joining me today is returning guest, fellow animator, and OG co-host, Christopher Wade himself. Chris, how are you? I'm doing okay. It's good to be back. Thank you for welcoming me uh, to this new segment. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I guess technically uh, I I wasn't able to get you on. It's it's become it's become like a, a yearly tradition to have you on at least once uh, mm-hmm. since we started the rotating co-hosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we did miss twenty twenty just because so much of that the show was on hiatus. But sure. it's not a big deal. It's just always fun to have you on. And and honestly, I think you always give some of the most fun and insightful looks at at whatever we choose to talk about. Yeah. Um, that extends to uh, your social media presence. If people, if you like to talk animation or current events or pop culture on Twitter, you're super active and communicative on there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm I'm active on Twitter. I recently started a uh, Mastodon account over on Mastodon.art, so you can find me at the same handle at it's me Chris Wade. Nice. Um, yeah. Then that's uh, also have my YouTube channel. Where I'll be posting the. Very big updates of my animated film, The Will of Monsters, and you can check me out there over at Sparkflow Studios uh, on YouTube. I was going to bring up Will of Monsters because I'm on the uh, Patreon for it, and it's exciting oh. to see all these little uh, tidbits. Oh, so you're you, <laughs> that, yeah, so you're in the know about all the all um, all the big um, not big, but all the uh, incremental updates that we've been making, like storyboards and uh, and. Um, and little animated clips and the shots that we've been working on. Good. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So have since the, I think the last time you were on was the uh, Steven Universe Roger Rabbit episode last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some things you've been involved with since then? Is it mainly still Will of Monsters? It's mainly Will of Monsters. I am chatting with. Um, I'm chatting. Well, I'm not sure if I can say that yet. Don't there's worry a, about it then. Yeah. Okay. There's a fan project that I'm. Uh, that I've been chatting with, so I might be involved in that. Uh, man, there's there's a couple of things that I want to talk about, but I just can't. One of them is really, really important. Um, but we'll we'll get to that. Uh, Those Dane NDAs. Yeah, we'll get to that when the uh, when when the when the proverbial shit hits the fan. For a yep. Yep. Again, um, follow his Twitter because when when he can say something, he'll say it there. I will. Um, uh, other, and I'll just other, say real quick. Uh, maybe you saw this, but I'll just say I'm so plugging away at i've honestly been very slow on personal projects this first like five months of the year because of a uh, school and some treatments yeah. um, some medical treatments those are winding down this coming week so i'm going to devote a lot of this summer to like spacious wario youtube oh. reviews uh drawing commissions and sketch and streams and such but i can say uh did you see my tweets about the fan project i got involved with Oh, what was it? I didn't see that. There's going to be a fan-made uh, Sly Cooper animated series. What? That's cool. Yeah, and I will be a uh, character animator in Toon Boom on it. It's run oh. by uh, a Cruxicon who did the Sonic Adventure 2 reimagined. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and is a talented artist in their own right. And how do you just that? Yeah, and a lot of cool uh, artists and voice actors are involved. We've got our 
little you know private discord going on and everybody just seems super enthusiastic and a lot of great talent and good people on board so i'm excited to be a part of that how do you spell a croxicon let me pull it pull it pull it man um <laughs> a-c-r-u-x-i-c-o-n and A-C-R-U-X-I-C-O-N. the show will be called rise the legendary thief i think it's gonna be its own kind of like fan reboot rather than trying to follow the games but it'll have the same uh, characters Okay, I'm seeing a little bit of it now. Yeah, cool, cool. Okay. Yeah, so stay tuned for stuff on that. That obviously will not be – we'll post it on someone, someone else's channel and such, but I'll be uh, sharing the word of it on YouTube and social media. Um, any other uh, little things you want to talk about before we dive into our main topics? Because uh, – Well, um, let's – not much um, except for like on, on the life end. I, start, um, I actually quit my job of 10 years and started a new one. Wow. Um, so uh, it pays better. Uh, it's a little further out, but the the, the new paycheck allows me to aggressively look for uh, a new house for me and my wife. Oh, that's awesome! Better. Yeah. So we're we're looking to move move out of my uh, in laws' home uh, at some point, but the housing market shit right now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we you were just talking about with me and on social media like how some you found a good match but someone beat you to the bid. Mhm. That's that's been that's been a very big recurring thing is you'll have you'll have the exact amount of money plus a little plus a little bit more of the asking price of the house and then someone will be like, mm, "But what if I put $20,000 on top of that?" <laughs> and oh. then you're then you're like punched out you're punched out the running. It's like Cool. Great. Thanks. That's awesome. Awesome. Cool. Great. Yep. Yep. It's very perseverance. Perseverance. Yeah. The key. It's key <laughs> to the human experience. And I'm talking all philosophical over houses. I bet it. But it's true. Mm-hmm. Um. So, do you want to get to uh our main top our two main topics right now? Yeah, man. Let's do it. All right. This will give us more time to talk about it since you need to be off uh, within two hours. Though it's not out at the time of recording this, so you don't you haven't heard it. Uh, I thought it'd be based on your suggestion, fun to revisit the previous episode's main topic because I love hearing uh, your thoughts on this. Chris, how do you feel about Ar- Arcane? I thought maybe you could love me like you used to, even though I'm different. But you changed too. So here's to the new us. I think Arcane's incredible, man. Isn't it? <laughs> Yes, I think it's really cool. It's uh, it's an achievement. Yeah, like it's it's the kind of show that was given the exact amount of time that it needed um, to really make things as pitch perfect as it could. Like that that project was like five six years in development. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, like I, and I'm looking at I'm looking at all the uh, all the character art and all the finessing that um, um that it took to get a lot of those stories out the door and being able to make that particular story of League of Legends work because there's like there's a whole bunch of different factions of League of Legends out there and they try to and, and from my knowledge Riot tries to separate like which uh, like this is this kind of canon this is this kind of canon. yeah I. One, I know I've read that they they aren't trying to make this – trying to strictly keep this to the canon. I think they are like you can take liberties if it benefits the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yes. And also I was going to ask, have you ever played League? I have never played League. No. No, same. Yeah. I mean I've always seen Jinx running around. And yeah, Jinx, around. Jinx is like the Harley Quinn of video games. She's an icon. 
Yeah, and I've I've made that comparison a bunch during Arcane uh, during my Arcane watch, and I still like her. I, I think I think she's a I think she's a really really great character. Like look, um, like watching Arcane, there's so many people that you want that you want like good and bad things to happen, and it's such an it, it's such an enticing show. I, I love it. I, I love the pieces. Yeah, I actually just last night I visited my parents to do help help them with some of their farmhouse renovation, mm-hmm. and we typically do movie and TV viewings together. Uh, or we 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 have often, but not this year because they're far away at their farmhouse and I've been in school. But we find some time and they set up their TV, and I was like, "You need to see Arcane," and so we sat down and watched the first act. Mm, yeah, that'd be and, awesome. And they oh. uh, seemed to genuinely enjoy it. And my mom's main takeaway was both. Uh, the art, even she could recognize what a achievement the art style was. Aw, that's cool. Uh, but she, she actually, when we got to end episode three, she brought up like her admiration, and I, I didn't bring this up in in our episodes. So I thought I'd bring up the fact that there's so many like backing vocal songs tied to like emotional mm-hmm. moments and key mm-hmm. moments. Yeah, it really, uh, they really help like sell those strong emotional beats whenever they arrive. Like, like the. The goodbye song uh, that that's, plays when that's when, when she brought it up. Yeah, when Jinx was a uh, when Jinx was a kid and she just had that blowout with uh, with Vi. Oh man, that's that was such a great moment. I I liked how like I liked how well choreographed the the camera direction was and how and how how characters were staged. There's a lot of amazing technical aspects to just certain moments that the directors and the artists and the writers really wanted to be in, uh, really seemed to want to be in sync with when they popped off with certain shots that are very clearly comic book and anime inspired, but nonetheless still invoke uh, a, a very kind of original style and in, in, in between them. Like it's, it's a, it's an extremely good middle ground of great animation, great timing, great technical effort. Yeah. And I was going to say for like the actual aesthetic, I've been seeing people bring this up online it feels like we're kind of in this new wave where we're seeing stuff that's still at its core CG, but it's becoming like this hybrid of 2D and 3D. Like Spider Verse kicked it off, and this is and this and stuff like Klaus is continuing that. Yeah, like it's a it's a very natural progression where like one studio does an extremely good job, like like Klaus did, and then another uh, another studio do, um, like um, takes that energy once uh, like one or two or three steps forward, like into the Spider Verse did, and then Arcane is. So it's like the natural progression, and now you have what the bad guys that's the, come out. The new Puss in Boots too. Like DreamWorks is on boots. board for this. Yeah, at some point, like these studios are just gonna have to nut up and just be like, you know what? Let, let's let's just do, let's just do two D and put it in theaters again. Did you hear about Disney? Oh yeah, I've been heard about Disney. That, <laughs> like, they might. We'll see. Yeah, well, Disney. That is um, Eric Goldberg. Uh, leading the new tr- uh, or training a, a new 2D animation division yeah. with Disney. Yeah. Um, that is not a surprise to me, only because, like, Disney knows that they've been dealing with the 2D aesthetic for quite some time since Paper Man. Like, they've, they've wanted, they've wanted to do, uh, they've wanted to, like, ha- marry the, the 3D aesthetic, but with 2D principles for quite some time. And Arcane is an excellent example of that. But at the same time, uh, these companies know that, you know, seeing the big uh, resurgence of 2D online with a lot of independent projects, uh, they're not going to be able to just they're not going to be able to use the photorealistic uh, uh, mediums and rely on their uh, rely on those mediums for all time. They got to switch it up. Like 
that's that's just having a variety of shows and films that look extremely different but also extremely modern uh, modernized that's how you stay relevant yeah audience and uh audience tastes and style uh trends oh they're always changing mm-hmm. that's right yeah you can look at i, I we're going to talk about our main topic like this like this what is what did 80s anime look like it looked like this Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it did. <laughs> um, but did you I, – I, let's, let's keep – to delve more into Arcane. Like what were some of – we talked a lot about the technical side, but what were some of the plot and character elements that spoke to you the most? Um, a lot of the character acting uh, spoke to me the most, uh, especially with with Vi, especially with – ah, oh, man. What is what is the little guy's name that's part of the, the big – uh, the big uh, oligarch group that um, that holds over uh, Piltover. You mean like the little like three hundred year old Yoda guy? Yeah, Heimerdinger. Heimerdinger is my he's favorite wonderful. guy. Yeah, he's my favorite character, even though I just forgot his name. <laughs> it's a weird um, name. It it is, but I love his design because because like his eyes are framed in a way where you're automatically pulled into him, and he has a lot of great acting moments with his ears. And his little mustache and his voice is so different from the rest of the cast. And he's always the one who has like he's always trying to look look out for the city, but he's also kind of left behind too. The city wants to move forward. Right. And he's kind of holding it back. And then the city's like, well, we're just gonna leave you for uh, you know, spoilers abound, but please Yeah, no, we can go to spoilers. Yeah, yeah, please watch Arcane if you haven't already. So Heimerdinger is basically booted off the console, and uh, he's left to go down into the uh, into the underside of the city uh, in order to invoke change. And I love there's a bunch of really great character uh, character arcs like that in the show. So Heimerdinger was one, Vi was one. Oh man, there there uh, there are so many. Uh, how about you? I I just think it just juggles all these interconnected stories that can be even though they can be mostly happening separate from each other, like when they intersect and influence each other, it feels very natural. Yeah, it does. Like it, it is, it that. is vine powders, uh, uh, robbery that kind of sets off, uh, Jace's story. Mm-hmm. And sooner, and then later he, and he, you know, he teams up with Vi again, not, not even, I don't think they, either of them even realize that, that no. earlier occurrence. No, they don't. And plus, there's like Jace's, uh, you know, uh, brother in arms, Victor. Uh, Victor, who unfortunately uh, goes through a lot of goes through a lot of shit for the name of science, uh, even to the point where he's trying to he's trying to keep Jace on his side, like he knows everything. Uh, he knows everything that Jace is trying to accomplish, but he's still to some uh, at some point in the story, he's also kept at a distance. Which is kind of the same, kind kind of the same thing that that Vi and her uh, awesome uh, gun-toting girlfriend uh, Caitlin. Caitlin go go into. Uh, like she is also kept at a difference and um, kept at a distance, and both of them have a very very natural interplay with one another because one, she's a cop. Vi uh, uh, naturally, obviously hates cops because they killed her parent, killed her, and um, Powder's parents. Uh, at the beginning of the story and seeing Caitlin and Vi grow closer together, even though that they both still have that, um, have that emotional uh, canyon between them. 
you 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 can feel it. You can see it happen with a lot of these characters, even with uh, Echo and and uh, and Jinx. Uh, it's it's it's. I think it's really fucking cool. You don't see a lot of you don't see a lot of animations these days go that deep into into interplaying relationships with characters. Yeah, and it's mostly because a lot of animations don't have a lot of time or a lot of uh, or a lot of the budget to do so a lot of them are very like you need to finish the story in six months and so then we can release it as opposed to six years that arcane had it's 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 amazing that this that this show was made it's a miracle it was made in this way but it does kind of make sense right has a bunch of money to throw around riot's like epic they have this one pc game that just gives them like infinite money yeah it's it's an insane amount of money that 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 they have and it was it was surreal seeing arcane come out and um also being put at a distance with my wife because i i couldn't see a lot of what she's doing and then after the fact when she was done she was like hey i worked on this game for uh riot <laughs> and she showed me like uh she showed me what was it called it was called um uh hextech mayhem and she did like oh. a lot of this, uh yeah she did like a lot of designs i played for, that yeah, she she did a lot of uh, like poses and and storyboards. Uh, she did, um she she storyboarded the opening to that um to that game. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, Serena's like not active on social media, so I don't know what she works on. Oh yeah, she uh, <laughs> she's she's like I'm too busy for social media, and also fair. it's a lot of work, and fair. also I'm really shy. Fair. So it's like fair enough. And social media comes with the temptation that you want to share everything, so I kind of mm-hmm. get that too. Uh, but she was like. For for uh, several months, uh, I was like, "What you working on, sweetie?" She was like, mm, "Can't show you." And I'm he like, did. Okay. <laughs> um, but then it came out, and she was like, "Here it is," and it was amazing. Yeah, amazing. it's a cool yeah. and gorgeous game. Yeah, if you if you're able to uh, pick it up at some point, please check out uh, Hextech Mayhem. It's really fun. And I th- it's- isn't Heimerdinger in the intro? He is, yes. I think he plays a, a different game. like member of his race, but he's like, he's he's a game character, so he's he's in multiple iterations. Yeah, it's a it's a different timeline dimension. It's it's a different iteration of the same story, essentially. Yeah. Um. So Heimerdinger is voiced by a different actor, I believe. Um. And his design is a little different, but all in all, it's still Heimerdinger, and you're playing a member of his race that just wants to blow shit up. And honestly. Uh, mood. So he go runs around and just like he also does it musically. Like, yeah, he uh, when you're like blowing up things to the to the beat of the song. It's from isn't it from Choice Provisions? The uh, Bit Trip people. I don't know, uh, uh, sweetie. Oh, she's she's doing her thing. And I'm, I'm um, googling it now. Okay, um, Hextech Mayhem. What was the developer on that? Uh, Choice Provisions. Um, was Choice Provisions? Yep. Then, yep. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, yep. Serena. And, yep, uh, John says thanks. Um, yeah, that's that's right. Choice provision, provisions. Yep, that they have tons of experience with that. Yeah, I I will say uh, I'm looking at the the uh, reception right now, and it sounds because it's on both PC and Switch. It might come to other consoles sooner. Uh, PC version runs great, but the uh, Switch version apparently had some some issues. Yeah, so I I, I do have to agree with that. Um, I wish. I wish it was a little bit more accurate on the Switch. Um, so if you have the option, go with PC. Yeah, but it's still a great game. It I, is. I, I have fun with it. It is. And um, yeah, it's just I 
we talked about it. Uh, I, I talked about it with Ben, but we do know that they're working on a second season. So I got to ask you, uh, what are some things you'd like to see in it? Um, I'm hoping uh, Jace's girlfriend uh, lives. Um, oh, Councilwoman Moderna. Yeah, I, I really hope that she is not dead. But I am purposely not looking into the Arcane Wiki to see what's going on. Because as far as I know, these events happened before the current timeline of League of Legends. Yes, it's this is like an or, this is like an origin story for a lot of the characters. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to uh, Echo and Heimerdinger, uh, like you know, passing and like trading notes and figuring out the mysteries of the world uh, that they live in. Um, I am. Silco's dead, which is a shame because I really liked his character. Yeah, he um, was he was a good villain. Yeah. Um looking forward to what happens with Vi and Jinx, obviously. Like their relationship is still strained and Jinx has made her choice. And I don't know if I don't know what happens if Vi decides to take up Echo's charge and just be like, hmm, fuck it. <laughs> you know, mm. I, I don't think that'll happen, but she's always gonna be in she's always gonna be in the middle of the lane, and that conflict is a big part of Arcane. I think the I I think the really difficult part um about writing those two characters is finding a way to finding a resolution between the two. Uh and you know, whether that means uh, they both got to come to blows. They both have to have an actual fight. Who knows? I'm I'm very interested to see what happens. Yeah, if they're going by the games, my guess is maybe it'll have to end with them accepting that they got to go their separate ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they they just have to have to accept the fact that things didn't work out. But I I'd say my two big things are I'm curious to see more new characters uh, or expand on certain characters. Like you know, uh, the councilwoman's mother is going to be a bigger force since she came in so late. Yeah, who's a great character, mm-hmm. um, and honestly, I, I want to see more of this world because we stuck to the city. Yeah, and we got the main glimpse we got is uh, Jace's origin story with like the the blizzard and then like being transported to that sound of music valley. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I know there are obviously more because uh, the 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 arcane is a mix of heroes from the game and original characters, and I'm just curious to see what what they can do to expand the cast going forward. Both so with who, familiar faces and new ones. So, who are your top three favorite characters in Arcane? Ooh, put me on the spot, but I definitely think Heimerdinger is one of them. He's mm-hmm. an immensely likable character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let me think. Between Vaya and Jinx, that's that's a tough one too. I oh, you know what? I think Soko would be another one. That's um, a good one. Yeah. Soko's oh, you know great. what? I'm gonna do a an, uh, a wild card because I don't think he's from the game uh, and he's not in the whole season but I really dug Vander oh yeah Vander was pretty cool yeah uh, I it was a bummer that but I kind of got a sense that he came up with a character like for these characters to grow they have to lose their father figure yeah there's um, there, there's rumors that he might come back but I'm not seeing it like th- that was a very dead moment <laughs> like we oh saw yeah there was like a pool of blood behind him he got stabbed multiple times he fell out of yeah. a building I'm like that'd be a stretch and I don't think yeah. he's from the game so yeah we'll see we'll see what happens um I do know that people are pointing out some stuff like have you seen what Victor looks like in the game yes so he and he oh he's in the council so I'm like I think he's going to survive that bombing, but he may need some uh, augments or something. He, he might. We'll see. We'll yeah, see and happens. I I can. And also, uh, Jace is a character from the game, so if he's killed in that explosion, that's going to be like okay, we're deviating from the canon. 
Yeah, I wonder if all car. I wonder if all and no cards are left on the table. Like they're like if they're ready to like do something different or or um, or like ready to like uh, stick to the con- the continuity of the game while making slight alterations. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. It is a mystery. All we can do is speculate and avoid spoilers. Yes. Uh, okay. I, my closing thought, I will just be like. Uh, Something I talked about in the uh, last episode somewhat aged poorly because I'm going to go through the speech that I, I said. I guess I, I – well, I mostly talked about uh, – talking about like seeing cartoons that are – have leave me very inspired and hopeful for growth. Like Steven Universe was one we talked about mm-hmm. that despite being a kid show was willing to take on some heavier topics. And this is like a truly mature cartoon that has also been doing very well. And I'm just like – I think I just said something like, boy, it sure is great seeing Netflix invest, invest in stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those yeah. not in the know, this has been a shit month for Netflix. It has. Uh, yeah. They have canned a lot of promising projects, most notably uh, Amaya and the Three spinoff and Bone, and just kind of lost a lot of good reputation. Uh, most recently, they uh, um, they lost a show uh, which was centering around South uh, South Asian voices called Boons and Curses. Um, I saw a little bit of. I'll, I'll actually link it. Um, link an article from um, the show run uh, from. I think the um, the creator in um, in the chat here. Yeah. Um, here describing it. Um, but Boots and Curses was pretty high on people's radar. Let's see. It looks like it was from a staff writer on the show. Okay. It's a shame because like it's um, reading the article. It sounded like a really cool, very influential project. Yeah, and because um, Netflix has, to put it in a very forgiving way, uh, grossly mismanaged their funds, uh, their money. I'm not surprised, uh, though. I'm not. I'm not surprised, and they think that oh, the new direction has to go from becoming um, everyone's favorite place to see shows to um, this is the place where we uh, adhere to our audience. Uh, of course they're going to lose followers, right? <laughs> like, oh, they already course, have. Yeah, of course they're going to lose subscribers and continue to bleed people, right? Like, there's no amount of trying to blame it on password sharing or trying to blame it on inflation that's going to make this go away. Like, oh, that's going to make it worse for them. Yeah, this is their fault. Like, like uh, every company that big will want to continue continuously expand, and they're going to have a bunch of competition. Um, but that doesn't mean you treat the shows and producers and creators that you have like a total shit. <laughs> yeah, it'll be very curious to see what they the Netflix landscape looks like a few years from now when we yeah. see more effects from it. Yeah, my money's on Blockbuster coming back. I don't know about you, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're rubbing their hands and and wringing their little fingers like like tiny little supervillains, just going, "Hmm, well, uh, looks like the butt's on the other foot now, Netflix." And I bet they're like, "Wow, we we dodged a bullet in not buying you all these years. We thought it was a curse." Yeah, right. Like uh, now, I'm looking back and I'm going, "Hmm, fifty dollars a year for a membership." Ain't too bad. A hundred dollars for a lifetime membership doesn't sound too bad. That's that, a good that's, deal. Yeah, that, I mean, adjusting for inflation, that that would be something entirely different. It'd still be but better. Yeah, but at the same time, like, at least I know what I'm getting, <laughs> and at least I know that those shows will not go away and just be canceled after one season because Netflix wants to throw twenty million dollars at 
one episode of uh, of the live action Airbender, or oh boy. or maybe a, a transphobic comedian who isn't really all that funny. Oh uh, who knows? <laughs> maybe if they uh, maybe if they kept their money uh, in their pocketbooks and managed it a little bit better they wouldn't have the entire animation community pissed off at them. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think no, it's no. the way things go. It's not just to be animators who are mad at them. <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm just throwing out ideas. <laughs> yeah. I just, I did. It's funny how I was comparing, like you look at how many originals like Disney plus or Hulu does. I'm like, man, they just don't have the Netflix numbers. Now it's like, Oh, maybe there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, have, people have choices now. So it's not like everyone's going to, it's not like it's not like seven years ago. No, less of a monopoly now. Yeah, where it was just Netflix and cable. Well, now you get to cut the cord, and you get like now you have like a bunch, like a hundred of like streaming services. It's like a streaming service every every week now. There's Tubi. What the hell is Tubi? I've never heard of Tubi. She's there's a robot. Sling, yeah, there's Sling TV, uh, or I'm sorry, Sling TV, which I, which I keep hearing about but never have. There's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I don't know that one. Yeah, but a lot of Did you hear about CNN Plus that lasted like I, a month? I heard about CNN Plus and that's uh hmm don't know what happened there guys. Not New everyone, management. Not everyone wants to subscribe. I mm, I don't know how many times it needs to be said. Not everyone wants to subscribe and and be locked into a lifetime subscription of monthly bills. Nope. Sorry. Nope. <laughs> I only have so much money. Mhm. But uh in conclusion, screw Netflix, but also mm-hmm. go watch Arcane and support Netflix. <laughs> Find a way to support Netflix. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying go out and pirate it. I'm just saying, like, if you have a friend. And, Use their account. And they have a Netflix account. You could go over their house and watch Netflix. They're not stopping you. Yeah, technically, police, yeah, technically I'm already for- under my parents' Netflix, so <laughs> I I just bumped the viewership a little bit, but I didn't, I didn't add my own. 10 bucks or whatever it is monthly. Yeah. yeah, go over to your friend's house and watch a couple episodes of Arcane. They can't, Netflix can't stop you. <laughs> <laughs> They'll come over to your, Mr. Netflix will come over to your house and slap the remote over your hands. Mr. Netflix. Mr. Netflix. It's me, Mr. Netflix. He crashes through the window and he has the big red N on his head. <laughs> it's just, it's just, that is his head. He's got, he's, he's a letterhead. He's a letterhead. That'll be $60 a month, please. I'm no sorry. password sharing. $16 a month. I'm sorry. That's that's my bad, as opposed to $8 a month like it used to be. Jeez. He's like Jay and Silent Bob. He goes to every house of somebody who's account sharing just beats the shit out of you. God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's asinine. Okay. That's right. business. Uh, do you want to get to our main topic? Yeah, let's do it. So for today's main topic, uh, we are pick, picking something. I, I kind of feel like we're kind of going in a uh, direction with the last couple episodes of obscure things that are like that I, that I think are worth talking about because we did uh, or I did Dial Code Santa Claus, uh, you know, this old Astro Boy and this like and Ben picked this obscure OVA. We did pick Arcane for the past episode and a half. So there are exceptions. But now we're diving right back into something that's a little more niche, older cult, but is definitely worth your time. So I'm going to start with uh, with Chris by asking, what is your history with the 80s anime film Robot Carnival? 
my history with the uh, with the '80s anthology of uh, with this '80s anthology is that it suddenly popped up on my radar as a kid in the old old uh, decade of 1990, I believe. Yeah. Uh, this show this show appeared on the Saturday morning anime block of Sci-Fi Channel. Yes, it did. Some, somehow, I mean. Obviously, I had the Sci-Fi Channel. It was like Channel 71 or some shit, 75. I don't know. But I was way too young to look at this imagery. And yet, here it was. Um, now, it's not, a, it's not an especially gory kind of film, but it is no. the, the, the way it's staged, it is very cinematic in its violence. Like, it's very, <laughs> it's, it's very deliberate on what it shows and what it chooses not to show. It's very visceral. It's, it, it's quite atmospheric. Um, this shit kind of opened my eyes to anime when I was a kid. Yeah, that's what I hear a lot of people have had that with, and a lot of other stuff that was aired on channels like Sci-Fi, TBS, and occasionally Cartoon Network in like the pre-Toonami days. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like that first wave kind of like spearheaded by Akira. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of that, that was both that and Robot Carnival were localized by the same company, Streamline. Oh, wow. So they play a big part in uh, getting, st- helping this sort start of to get some some exposure. Hurry. Not on the same level we're used to these days. Like, I feel like that one-two punch of Pokemon and Dragon Ball kind of cemented its place over here in the late 90s. Yeah, yeah, it definitely um, did. But, but, the, but this, the 90s were, a vi- before that, were a very different time for anime fans. Like, I wouldn't count myself an anime fan until, it's funny, I think my first exposure to anime as a kid was those early syndicated runs of Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at those and being like, there's something different about this art style. Like yeah. the way the eyes and look, the way the mouths move. And mm-hmm. I think I found out through magazines or something soon after, like these are Japanese shows. And I'm like, okay, so they have a different that look over there. I had the benefit of like my, uh, my dad being sort of into anime when he was a kid too. Um, because, uh, he was a when he when he was growing up there were there was obviously like Speed Racer and Astro Boy yeah those are the big ones yeah and, and Ultraman uh, and they had their own like uh, they they had their own syndicated runs uh, right so so he showed me like Speed Racer uh, and uh, and he was able to he was able to tell me like uh, like nope they're not I was like why are they in a different language and he was like uh, well they're they come from a different country. It's not like they're from like China or whatever. They're from Japan. I was like, "What's a Japan?" Obviously, <laughs> I, obviously going through my history and geography books at school, I was like, "Oh, this is oh, I I see now." See, before I knew I was really into anime, I knew that Nintendo and Sega were Japanese. So I was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, the Japan makes awesome stuff." Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. Yeah. So myself with this movie. I feel like most people who love this movie did discover it in the 90s. I am much later than that, but it still is my – it's still long ago enough that I have – it's a nostalgic thing. I discovered this in college through like BitTorrent. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Like we're talking like 2006, 2007, my original uh, Art Institute time. Wow. And I think I might have heard the name, but I just discovering it like I – this something about this movie really clicked with me at the time. I think it's because there is so much like obvious creativity on screen, mm-hmm. like more than you would think of in mainstream animation of this like caliber. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of fell down a rabbit hole for a little bit. This was because it's worth noting. Um, we'll get into its its uh 
distribution, but between the VHS, initial VHS and TV run, and the modern day Blu-ray and streaming release, uh, this was hard to find. Uh, we went through that whole initial DVD boom in the 2000s, and there was no American release. Wow. Uh, there was an old one in Japan, but it was very out of print. And eventually, I found a, you know a, a transfer of that. And not only did I hold on to that, and even I remember I got a, a not a Blu-ray, but a DVD burning drive, and that was the first thing I burned onto it, so I could play it on like my PS2. Smart, yeah. Um, I got. There was uh, Streamline did some merchandise of it as it was a big enough hit for them, and there was a trading card set that I bought off eBay. Really, it had both a bunch of like high quality screen captures and like uh, concept art on the back. Oh, that's cool. It was cool. I don't know where they are now. They might have gotten lost when I moved. No. Um, beyond that, I naturally because this is uh, an anthology that is mostly reliant on music and sound effects and not dialogue. Uh, I found MP3s of the soundtracks. It did get a worldwide uh, CD release back in the day. I still have those on Spotify. Um, I uploaded the English language version of one of my favorite shorts, The Tale of Two Robots. On It's one of, now one of the oldest videos on my YouTube channel, like the first one that got a significant viewer count. Cool. Yeah, I think I've seen that on your channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And lastly, man, I wish I, – I, I did some digging today. I wish I could have found it because I'm confident it's not gone. The one animation cell I own is also from that short. It's like a side shot cool. of the big Japanese wooden robot taking its first steps. Uh, I got <laughs> it at Otakon 2007, and I'm sure it's somewhere around here. Oh, that's wild. Cool, dude. Yeah. But getting into this movie, uh, so the initial concept, this is, I think, representative of – because we talked about – me and Ben talked about the kind of heyday. Like the 80s was a very unique time for anime. Yeah. Um, and part of that was Japan was like having like an all time high in their economy. So there was, there were, they were willing to take bigger risks on like the content and, and plots of, of anime. Uh, and you combine that with the, the rise of the home video market with VHS and Laserdisc, like the first time you could bring this stuff home. Yeah. And that meant that, uh, investors were willing to throw money at, uh, direct to video stuff. Now, direct to video kind of has a stigma over here. You think of like, you know, Disney and Don Bluth sequels that don't have the same amount of care put into them. Uh, but this is more akin to something like when you get cool stuff on streaming. Um, yeah. This was like you would get – there's a lot of classic stuff that is well re- regarded by anime and animation fans that wasn't made for theaters. It was made for video and this is among them. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a very rare uh, rare look into what anim- uh, what animation does specifically – the anime um, the anime industry in japan like what what were their philosophy what were their what were their design philosophies like way back when uh this was this was this was what is the word i'm looking for the, uh, the, this was a landmark in what they were tra- uh, what they were doing back then it's, it feels it feels like a very it feels like i was stepping into a time capsule when i was doing um while i was while i was doing research into of uh, research yeah into but this. in a good way yeah it, it really did um it was it was this is an exquisite piece like <laughs> you're not you're not going to find much like this these days and even back then you weren't going to find very much like this <laughs> so it's it's a very it's very much like a diamond uh, um that you that you could find and it's free on youtube now that's that's what i'm going to get to yeah i'll well i'll just say it right now uh praise discotech yeah uh, for those who don't know, they are a American anime distributor. They do put some stuff on Crunchyroll, including this, but uh, they are still parading, keeping you know 
keeping the physical media uh, train alive with like a lot of license rescues and now remasters with Blu-ray of mm-hmm. older stuff that hasn't gotten that treatment here before. Uh, actually, going back to an earlier episode, they are the Blu-ray distributors for Little Nemo. Yeah. Which is also available on YouTube, but if you want a better transfer and some features, pick up the disc. Yeah, it's 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 wild the kind of stuff they've been doing. I've been picking up a lot of their Blu-rays lately. I um, need to pick up more. They actually, <laughs> maybe not high art, but dear to me, they were the uh, licensed rescuers who put out the Bobo Blu-ray box set. <laughs> That's my other purchase from them. Thanks, guys. Actually, that that is significant because the uh, Japanese version had never been officially subbed until then. Oh, nice. And the writing, like they had, that was a. You know, a gag anime kind of like Samurai Picats where they heavily like localized and rewrote everything. So mm-hmm, if you want to mm-hmm. see the uh, genuine article, then you can, now you can legally. But um, yeah, again, this is – it's very likely that if you're listening to this show, you haven't seen or maybe even heard, haven't heard of this. But uh, there is no risk in checking it out. It is legally on YouTube and uh, Crunchyroll as well. Mm-hmm. Go so, see it when you go see it when you have an opportunity. It's yeah, yeah. I I'd, I'd actually recommend like, look, if you like experimental animation or old anime, pause this episode now, go watch Robo Carnival, and come back because we're going to. It isn't so much a heavily spoiler thing, but you know, it's you want the experience to be fresh. Yes, um, I wholeheartedly agree. So I will just say we'll, we'll we're about to get into the, the uh, segments, but I will say a little bit of history because the Blu-ray is super informative and it has tons of extras. Like each segment gets some uh, liner notes on like the director and the goals of each short. Uh, there's concept art, there's storyboards, like, and there's a little like documentary about the film's history and distribution. There's like scans of promotional materials. It's ve- it's it's the full package. Now is all that information? Um, is that like? Is that like printed material or no. is it on disc? It it is uh, a bunch of it's galleries basically, probably uh-huh. probably safe paper. Okay, uh, but it works fine. And so the interesting thing was this was done by a pretty small studio back in the eighties. Uh, you wouldn't think it from the apparent budget and stuff, but yeah. then I read about how like how intensive the work was. Like some of these directors devoted like a year or two of their lives to this one short segment. And would do a lot of like the key animation themselves rather than these big crews. So I can I can see that. Like there's there there is so much like care put into a lot of these shots. Yeah, it would they were deeply personal projects for so many of the people involved. Uh, because unlike today or even mostly before that, they got carte blanche pretty much. There was just when like kind of and this kind of happened because a lot of these guys were friends. Some of them hadn't directed before, but have gone on to direct other stuff. But it was like they were key animators or character designers or some other stuff. And some two of them who were friends started, you know, brainstorming this kind of project and got more people on board. Uh, and apparently, the the idea was like you could do you would do each of your shorts alone in a bubble, so it's not influence each other. So the style and plots could be totally different. But they had they did have the idea like let's have a unifying theme, and it came down to two choices: either robots or girls. Well, to some degree, some of them chose both. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I feel like that statement is the most anime sentence ever said: either robots mm-hmm. or girls. Yeah, that is true. And apparently, they actually even agreed, like, if we got greenlit for a sequel, we'd go with the girl theme, not robots. I mean, I really hope that they do have a chance to make something again like this, like another anthology season. Uh, I would – well, it's not it's not the same studio or branding, but I would recommend Genius Party. I saw the first one of those. That's like the closest okay. thing to a modern anthology. Yeah, I, uh, there's <clears throat> there's another anthology called um, Memories. It's 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 not as expansive. Yeah, um, it's three of them, three yeah, longer ones. 
and, and it's, yeah, there's there's only three shorts, and they're all quite good, um, very good. I would be remiss um, to say, I mean, I, I would be lying if I said that I didn't want another Robot Carnival anthology. Give yeah. me more anime anthologies, please. Please, that's, the, all, the, that's the, all I'm trying to say. You get so <laughs> much creative, raw creativity, and, and like imaginative visuals in it. Um, mm-hmm. Also, uh, you brought up memories. Uh, one linking short between that and another anthologies from around the same time called Neo Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, was the involvement of one Katsuhiro Otomo, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. director of Akira yeah, and yeah. author of the manga. And uh, before and after that, he would dip his toes into uh, into these anthologies. And I guess we can start getting into uh, the main topics here. He did he directed the opening and closing, the only recurring segment, which uh, is the titular Robot Carnival, where we start on Tatooine, basically. <laughs> uh, that, that Panda Kid does sound like a Jawa. Uh, yeah, it does. It does feel very, uh, very that the opening and the closing feel very otherworldly, and I, and and a lot of these do, but I think a lot of these feel more dystopian or futuristic. Um, this one felt, this one felt very like this could be another, this could be another Earth somewhere because there are humans here. There are yeah. ver- there there are people, and they have, and it looks like they have their own culture, but it looks like. It felt like what would happen if this was like a Star Wars kind of galaxy. It um, just complete with Sandcrawler. Yeah, did they have a giant fucking Sandcrawler? Just, you know, the, without the lightsabers or without the Force or without the weird Jar Jar Binks characters and shit like that. Um, oh, but Jar Jar's the key to everything. I'm going. I'm going to. I'm going to log off immediately. Don't, don't blame me. That's a, that's a George Lucas quote. <laughs> oh, Jar, was it? it Jar Jar, he, he's the key to everything. Oh God! <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, he is the one who gives the trade like Palpatine power in the second thing. So you could say, "Oh, it's all his fault." So he's the key to everything. Uh, yeah, I remember that. That's a... anyway. <laughs> Anywho, uh, yeah, the opening of Robot Carnival, where it has like this massive giant robot, uh, or not even a giant robot, really, this massive mechanical abomination. That has little robots uh, in it. Little, yeah, that has it's 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 like a hive. It felt like as it's like a hive of of these tiny robots putting on a show in a way where it felt uncaring and un <laughs> uh, and uninterested in the audience itself. Yeah, like, collateral still, damage be damned. Yeah, it was put on autopilot for whoever was going to see it and. God help you if you were the one seeing it, because this giant automaton just just bum rushes an entire small village of innocent people and goes about its business like nothing happened. I'm like, yeah, yeah, all these exploding ballerinas. And (laughs) it's darkly humorous because even though there's not on screen death or blood and gore, it's clearly people are dying during this. But yeah, I always think of this one shot. Where like you see a bunch of people like almost hovering in the air, like in their animals as yeah. they're getting thrown about from explosions, and it's just so goofy. Yeah, it's it's very comedic, and, and it's every one of these shorts has has a little bit of darkness in it. Oh yeah, uh, and and to varying degrees of that. Uh, and the and the intro and the outro were very were, were very much like this is this is the life that these people live uh, that they have. That even even under normal conditions, if you could call it that, uh, life is hard for these people. Uh, but one of the things that they absolutely have to be have to be aware of is 
the giant fucking robot with the, with the anthology logo on the <laughs> in face English. Of the front in English. <laughs> and it's like this poor kid is trying to warn the townspeople and they're like i don't know what he's, i don't know what he's talking about he's, he's saying something's coming something i don't he's, got he's like screw you i'm getting out of here yeah that kid bounced he fucking he was like i'm not dealing smart. with this yeah that, was, that kid was gone yeah because like 10 minutes later uh like in story time Robot Carnival arrived, and that was the end of that, that well, tiny village. We'll actually revisit this with the outro because that the credits give a little more world building context that raises more questions. Oh, really? How do you mean? Oh, maybe you didn't see, maybe you didn't get that version. We'll talk about it. But let's move okay. on to the first independent con, uh, uh, segment, that being Franken's Gears. Franken's Gears. Okay. Yeah. Or That's as cool. I call it, like, um, kind of just like. This is one of my favorite pieces in the movie when it comes to setting a mood, especially mm-hmm. after how bombastic the opening was. Here's something almost entirely about atmosphere, about this yeah. lab, about these dark and gothic and this lightning and this kooky little man running around. It's very, very eccentric little uh, little zany cartoonish man who is obviously a mad scientist. I like the way that he was holding the globe of the earth yeah and there's an opening like art of his hands enveloping the world so i don't think he has the best intentions no which good for him he's actually kind of incompetent because it doesn't work out yes (laughs) for for the world um but yeah this this and again this is kind of interesting we're kind of similar to fantasia for the most part because i've heard like this is the closest we got to an anime fantasia most of the segments are just audio-wise music and some sound effects. There are two that have full dialogue, but they're the exceptions. So this, I'm going to call him Dr. Franken, because I'll assume that's what the title's going for. He is wildly expressive, gesturing, like googly face, like very broad uh, expressions, but he never makes a single vocal sound. They got to get it all across through the visuals. So anime is not the kind of medium that I would define as cartoons every so often uh well i mean uh, most often i wouldn't identify it as such only because like anime is usually very cinematic very detailed uh, very detailed and comic booky approach in essence they are cartoons yeah um but they're shooting for a different vibe uh when it comes to certain audiences but in something like this where the main scientist is very expressive and you can see you can get a sense that he's very exaggerated and he's having a lot of squash and stretch movements. Um, even when he's bouncing between pulling levers and, you know, and, and flipping switches, you get a little, you, you hear a little bit of that Hanna-Barbera Foley sound effect. Yeah, like some crashes and boings and stuff like that. Yeah, his, his mannerisms are very cartoonish. And I like that. Like, you see a lot of, you're going to see... Uh, in, in, in three, maybe four of these shorts, there's a lot of cartooned energy happening uh, that I really enjoy. Very, I don't want to say very Looney Tunes, but there, there's, a, there's a good bit of like what is traditionally here in Western cartoons, very right. slapsticky, very broad. slapsticky, comedic, comedic, broad kind of energy happening with these characters. Yeah. So I appreciated it. I appreciated uh, Franken's dream. Uh, in the gears. sense of how, yeah, in a sense of like, oh, I'm sorry, Franken's gears, in the in a sense of all the, in an in a visual animation sense, even in the technical details of its, you know, of the background and the mood that I was trying to uh, trying to set, not love like like you said, this one was actually not one of my favorites though. There, it's very light on story. Mm-hmm. That's its, that's its drawback. I think like you can sum up its story in like two sentences. 
I, I think so. Uh, I think, I think it kind of, I think kind of, what is, what is, it didn't grab me like the ways, uh, uh, like the other ones did, because I kind of got a sense of what was going to happen before it happens. And it's not that it was predictable, but it was, it was easy to understand in a way that wasn't very entertaining for me, at least narratively. That's fair. I, I definitely loved the technical aspects of watching, of watching it, getting a sense of, like you said, the atmosphere and the mood, because it, it does have a very gloomy kind of feel to it. Yeah, but it's also it. kind of balanced with the, the manners of the doctor, so it's not overbearing. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I feel like that was a yeah. conscious choice. And just some really gorgeous environmental and mechanical animation. Like the liar notes talked about what a nightmare some of it was to pull off because this was before computer assistance. Oh, really? Yeah. So this movie's completely cells and can paint hand drawn. That's right. It. It. I don't know why I thought differently. Like I'm. I'm so used to like digital anim. I'm, I'm so used to like digital animation now. Yeah, we all are. That. Yeah. That looking at something like this, you forget it's just. It's paper. It's it's paper. It's it's pen and ink. Uh, for cleanups, it's it's raw arts and crafts, all physical. Yeah, Jesus. yeah, uh, which was much more of a headache back in the day. Yes, God. so mad respect to people who could pull off these sort of visuals back then. Um, yeah, anything else you want to say about Frankenscares? I'm, I'm, I think I'm good on Frankenscares. I, th- right. I still, I still think it's a, I still think it's it's worth the watch. Yeah. All of these are worth a watch. It's just how you'll – because we're going to do personal rankings. I asked for, for you to yeah. do that, and I did mine as well. So right now, this one actually is pretty high on my list. I really dig the the, the mood it pulls off and the, okay. its title character. Okie dokie. Um, so now we move on to Deprive or Video Game the Anime Short because this one really is like they took an NES game premise of damsel in distress and – handsome boy hero fighting a bunch of monsters to save her like even though the the music uh the style of it in here i can imagine they're like getting some chiptune equivalents so what's what was the name of this one again deprived this is the one where the girl takes taken by like the glam rock guy and this guy goes to like another planet and fights it's basically fighting a bunch of robots deprived these nuts (laughs) Uh. (laughs) i'm sorry i'm sorry i had had to do that uh please don't mute me uh no i would never Um. mute you No, this one, this one is actually really interesting because this was the first one I've ever watched. Oh, because like, they would sometimes air the shorts individually or out of order. So, uh, well, when I saw, if I remember correctly, when I saw Robot Carnival, I was actually watching. They actually were showing all of them back to back, but I happened to turn it on in the middle, and this is the one that I saw first. And so, I could see it catching your eye. Yeah, it definitely caught my eye. This was like, oh my god, dude! Like the color, th- uh, like uh, the, the color choices uh, that that they chose in the beginning with the ro- with the robots and invading the town, uh, uh, like you know that those stark reds and those hyper violent uh, long ass wires just peering into frame, all on all on ones, I believe. It's the visuals are very comic booky, and it's extremely. It's it's hard to not to look at this and be like, man, anime is really something different, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I feel like this is one of the most like like representative of what was the anime the eighties anime aesthetic. Yeah, because a lot of stuff I've seen give me similar vibes in the character and environmental and design and, and action. Now I will say this is this is one's going to be a little low on my list because I think it is 
one of the most conventional shorts, and I think the stuff I admire from this is because they're un unconventional. That's fair. But, uh, honestly, honestly, I would also rank it lower on my list too. Yeah, but that doesn't mean I don't like it because yeah. there's a lot of cool. Actually, I've one of the visuals that's always stuck with me is his first fight, and there are these like bulky robots with these like extending tentacle arms that he has to like run and weave through. Mm -hmm. That's something that sticks with you if you're into animation. Yes, the the way. There's a certain fluidness to um, to how the, um, the main robot character flows uh, flows through those long ass wires um, from the robots that are attacking him. In the beginning of this short, the robots beat his ass very yeah. easily. Oh, yeah, he, so, he there's a quick shot of him like getting repaired or recharged or something. Like, all right, I'm gonna go go yeah. harder this time. Yeah, and now he's like an upgraded version of himself, and he's he tears through those specific robots very quickly and the funny thing is is that looking back on this i think this is the short that primed me for mega man x oh that totally makes sense space. yeah because it's very it's very futuristic it's very like it's it's not like dr wiley's taking you over to city now like it's mega man x was very it was about as grim dark as you could get with the with a game that was still aimed towards um, towards uh, um, towards young gamers. Yeah, and then. limited by Super NES tech. Yeah, but even then, like you have a future with Mega Man X as opposed to regular Mega Man, you had a future that was emphasizing dark backgrounds and bright foreground colors with neon uh, with neon illumination and and characters who would get ripped apart or die. Uh, looking at Deprive and seeing a lot of that aesthetic there, even with the very gaudy uh, glam <laughs> glam rock 80s villain oh i love that villain god <laughs> love him <laughs> both like, both the, that over the top 80s design but even like he gets a personality across despite there being no voice like initially he's just lying around all dismissive like a roman emperor almost mm -hmm. and even when he's defeated like he's lying there and before he fades away he gives a kind of like smirk that's like huh, good job kid yeah, like there's a lot of character in these moments, even without sound, even without exposition. Where, it, well, even without um, characters narrating the exposition, like there is so much energy in this, right? From like the guitar riffs and the one and the 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 main robot character ripping off heads of other robots, yeah. and he stands in the middle of the explosion, and you're like, oh my god, that's so radical. He's so cool. <laughs> so fucking cool and it how can you disagree because yeah. look at it it's, it's like awesome <laughs> it's kind of telling you like this is what i am this is what the short is yeah you're either into that or you're not oh i i wrote one note here i'm sorry but uh you'll probably get a kick out of this when he's kind of like towards the end he's caught and he's being tortured with like these electric shocks and these flashing color patterns mm -hmm. i just had one line in my head what's Sp that space ball one she's gone plaid She's gone plaid. It's the plaid uh, ludicrous yeah. speed pattern. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> I would love it if the, uh, the the director was like, ah, yes, Mel Brooks was a key inspiration for Deprive. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Deprive is a fun – fun again, I think the only reason it's lower my, on my list because it is – it's more conventional, but it is well done conventional. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, the, uh, it's – Every each and every one of these shorts gives you a different flavor of the same of the same theme, and this flavor is is nonetheless very easy to digest. 
but also very fun and extremely gorgeous to look at. Like even going through it again, I'm like, man, I got to buy this Blu-ray so I can like. Yeah, because you have it on DVD. It's a great transfer, by the way. Yeah. Or also watch it on uh, YouTube and Crunchyroll. I would love to just like sit back and just study like these frames. Yeah, I. Oh, dude, then get the Blu-ray because it has art gallery. It has concept art and storyboards. Okay, I, I'll do that. Yeah, um, but our next short, I, I'm curious to, to, I'm interested really just in that one because I think this is one of the most like renowned. That being presence, presence, uh, presence is something else, man. Presence is something else, and yeah, I would have to agree. Like, there is something. If there's any short that encapu- that encapsulates the theme of robots in in this anthology, like the the, the one that does it in a way where it's very disturbing, more disturbing than any of the other Yeah, ones. this this is a haunting short. Yeah, this is the one that's just like, well, shit. <laughs> this this is that one. I love that it opens with... Uh, with uh, this, oh my God, the cold open. The very bourgeois robot getting his head torn off. It, it's like, weirder yes. than that. It's like, I want you to imagine that someone watches this short blind. You get this long static shot of a bunch of Victorian era people running around being like, good day, hello. And this mustache broad guy comes in. Then he gets hit by something and his head pops off and he's a robot. <laughs> and kid, jerk ass kids are playing soccer with his head. He's like, oh, put me down. <laughs> put me down. Oh, and the kids are like, eat the rich. It's great. <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's like that doesn't even have anything to do with with the story it's just a bit of world building like this is a kind of retro world with advanced robotic technology i feel like that it is the way that it opens up not the way that it it's a cold open and like you said how everyone is saying good morning good day good day how do you do bell good morning bell like that that Bonjour. bonjour bonjour and the camera's tilted at an odd angle and you see that open window where you think something important is going to come out of there. Nope. And and, and it doesn't. But the the old man comes in front of that window and he gets his head popped off. So it automatically, like, the scene automatically directs your eye over there. Um, It's, as soon as you start watching this short, it's fucking weird, dude. Like, you're, you're already put at a sense of unease because of the slanting of that camera and the placement of that window and the man's uh the the robot man's head coming clean (laughs) off um it's it puts you at such a defensive posture once this uh, once the short starts yeah and and what follows doesn't doesn't pull back either it, it really doesn't and it's it's so intricately made dude the character animation in this is insane it is a little it's it's more or less it's it's not as insane well i'm sorry that's not the those aren't the words i'm looking for well it's impressive no 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 no. it's also uh uneasy as well because all of it's extremely well done there are places where i think it's a little where the animation is a little overdone Mm -hmm. but that's not that's not the point i'm trying to get across it's that the animation in this short where characters have very like weird facial anatomy and yeah, very, very, very unique designs, like yeah, very, very more realistic and but also still caricatured in a unique way. Yeah, very odd, but also very unique at the same time. And I'm looking at this right down from the bones of this thing, not just like the angles of the shot, and not just in the character uh, in the character designs themselves, or the fact that what seems to be like 
characters kind of moving on ones when they get up or 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 turn to the side or something. There are these quick little shots that you don't notice, uh, and they kind of sit with you. There's this shot where the main scientist dude, he's the guy that builds like the the he who who's building a small little robot girl as a hobby. He's over by like the lake. Yes. And he's just goofing off and shit. Like and throwing a screw into the water. Yeah, and you see a shot of the lake, and you see like little things in it, and you don't really think much of it because it looks like junk, right? Right. But for a split second, a dismembered robotic hand comes yeah. into the shot, and then the shot just pulls away. To the, it just cuts to the next shot, and you're like, "Holy shit, what was that?" And like it does. It's so it's it, it leaves you asking some questions about this world. It gives you such an impression, and the movie doesn't lag on shots like this it's like that's not as important but sit with the feeling and that's what this movie i'm, I'm sorry that's what the short does it makes you sit with all these uncomfortable with, with all these uncomfortable twinges and uncomfortable ideas uh it makes you think about why does this dude uh, who's a toy maker have this very gothic tacky looking robotic, 80s looking 80s looking girl life-size girl doll that only he knows about and that only he's the only, only he's building. And it's a strange little hobby, one that he's put clearly a lot of time and a lot of effort into. But it's also like you want to look at this. You want to uh, you want to come up to this dude and be like, man, that's weird. Does your wife know about this? And <laughs> like, no, clearly she doesn't. <laughs> it's, and it's like, what's going on here, man? You're just and yeah, it's a hobby, but it's. It's not framed as anything like, like uh, it's not framed as anything like sexual or deviant. No, it's or, actually that that is what scares him when it happens. Yeah, um, what, like the, the like. Let's just give a little background. Like this man yeah. is in a loveless marriage. His wife is all business. They feel mm-hmm. you know distant. So and he they also talks about at least in the English version how he never really knew his parents and her traditional mother, mm-hmm. and he kind of wants to get to know like. A more traditional woman, so he's building this this robot girl. But yet, at one point, she starts asking more questions about like feeling more alive, experiencing more stuff. He even says like, "I I didn't program you to do this. You're you're acting out." And when she starts to like try and embrace him, he just on an impulse kills her. Yeah, it's it's extremely it's extremely disturbing, right? Like he's experiencing the kind to of its, uncanny- I want to say to its credit because we have a lot of anime that feels creepy especially in regards to how it treats like the female characters this feels self-aware this feels intentional it, no no it's definitely intentional what it tries to do what it's trying to say and I'm not trying to invoke like some kind of weird societal uh, some kind of you know weird um, message about society or some shit what I'm saying is is that the, what this film is uh, what this film is saying about the world that it's in and about this particular character is that he is reacting in a way that he reacts in a, he reacts in disgust and kind of bewilderment of this thing that he's built. He even like when he's walking through when he's walking through like uh, the city and he stops at this this trash pile yeah. of severed robot heads. Yeah, it's foreshadowing. And yeah, he's looking at all this junk, but there's a point where you kind of look at him and he's looking at all this junk and he's like, you kind of get the sense that he probably doesn't want to, he's probably thinking, man, I really, I I really hope this doesn't have to be my little thing that I'm building one day. And then he does Um, it himself. 
and he does it himself. And, and regrets like, it the rest of his life. Yeah, the little robot girl that he's building, like, is asking, like, some very, like, reasonable questions. Like, why am I alive? Why did you build me? I'm alone. I feel alone, but I don't have to be alone. You're alone. Why don't we... We don't have to be alone if we're together. And he doesn't know how to deal with that. And he doesn't... Um, and and he doesn't know exactly what he created. And I think that's both cool, both thought-provoking, um, very disturbing at what he what he uh, and what he ultimately does to his creation the themes of loneliness the themes of regret guilt all that is very obvious in this short and it's really good because i came into this uh, i watched this short and i was like oh man it's this one and then I remember just how much it made me think uh, think about storytelling as uh, as I was growing up. I was like, gonna say I can't imagine how like little you responded to this. Oh no, I wasn't this articulate. But <laughs> when I was a kid, <laughs> but when I watched it as a kid, I remembered feeling weird about it. Right, like like weird in the sense of there's a lot of shit going over my head that I don't understand, but something is wrong here. And it's cool that there's there's stories like this. Yeah, and I, th- and I think that it's cool that that there are that there are legit cartoons diving into these uh, diving into these ideas. Yeah, it's very inspirational in that way. And I will also say I think this is one of the best uses of the anthology animated short format mm-hmm. because I could see if you tried to make a full movie of this, it being boring. Yeah, uh, but this is feels like just the right amount for what they're going for. That's honestly how I felt with battle uh, with uh, uh, Alita Battle Angel. There you go. <laughs> That's just me. Um but no like you're you're absolutely right. Like the way all right, so animation wise, there there are times when the animation feels a little bit overdone. Mm-hmm. But it works to its benefit because it's still very uneasy. Yeah, I think like, about when he – there's like this overhead shot of him opening the door against the shed and it's so fluid. Yeah. Like you didn't have to do that, but you did, you did. You didn't have to put all these frames in that one motion, but y'all did and it looks great. Um, yeah. Th- there's this point when, when the robot girl visits him as an old man. He's having visions, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And she – she drops to her knees and the billows in her skirt. It's crazy. Sl- slowly come down and you can see every fold and every, and, 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 and every flip of, of the fabric. And it's amazing how yeah. that is hand drawn. Yeah. It's drawn in a way where it's shit. It's a cartoon and it feels alive. That's how I'd sum up a lot of this. I remember you talked about certain moments in Little Nemo are so fluid that you forget you're watching drawings. That's his experience yeah. with with uh, presence. Yeah, presence, so, is, presence is super good. I mean, yeah, it's it's, high, it's it's higher up on my list um, for sure. And I feel like that could be interesting. This is one that that's one that I feel like everybody is just like leaves everybody like whoa, mm-hmm. was prepared for this. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, the next short is a little bit of a palate cleanser in terms of being a little easier to digest and, and won't leave you feeling like, I don't know how to feel about this. That being Starlight Angel, um, mm. which starts with the title screen music of Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Uh, though it has nothing to do with that. 
you can sum this up pretty easily, though it kind of gets a little weird and hard to follow in the second half. But I'll sum it up like this. We have these two teenage girls visiting like a sci-fi robot-themed amusement park, which honestly I'd love if there was a place like that. And one of them, they run off, drops like her necklace or locket near a guy, near a, ro- a robot worker, we assume. And the other one realizes, introducing her, like, oh, my boyfriend's going to be here. You want to meet him? And But we realize the main girl, when she sees this guy, is like, shit, that's my boyfriend. He's cheating mm-hmm. on me. And Aww. gets emotionally distraught and runs off. And... I'm a little unclear about what is going on, Scott, but I guess, like, she impromptu gets on this ride that is, like, influenced by your thoughts and emotions. That's the only way that it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the robot worker shows up, is revealed to be actually be a pretty handsome boy in a robot suit, um, and is trying to return the locket to her, not realizing, you know, it has a picture of the, this boyfriend, and his pisses are off more, causing this badass, like, kaiju mech to appear. Yeah. And man, this is a dangerous ride because it genuinely like hurts them. Yeah. But uh, the power of love gives the robot man a lightsaber, and the day is saved. Yeah, it's um, this short is very. I don't want to say it's. It's definitely more lighthearted than um, than most. Yes, and it, it feels very. It feels even very though there's modern. emotional like not even undercurrent. It's part of the plot. Yeah, it's very. And it's still very modernized because it does feel like that, you know, these girls have just gone to like future Disneyland and are just. Oh, like, there's a castle in the middle and like an electric Main Street night parade. It's very Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like most like most Disneyland workers, you know, they'll, they'll do their best for the customers, you know, guiding them in the right direction yep. and being there and being there when needed. Uh, so that's that's how this robot worker kind of reacts, and I really like this short. Like the animation's nice. I like I like it when Tetsuo and Akira made a special guest appearance. Yes, you can see some Akira <laughs> characters like recolored as extras in the background. <laughs> um, I like the des- I like the very '80s design of their fashion wear. Oh yeah. Um, I liked I like the character designs here, which I think I think this particular character designer. Um, did a lot of Gundam work and also worked yes, on he, and also worked on Bastard, I think. I am going to look him up because uh, you can easily look up. It's pretty well documented who the directors are because each of this was just their 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 piece. This is a guy named Hiroyuki uh, Kitazume who uh, worked on yeah Zeta Gundam, uh, Charged Counterattack, Double Double Zeta as the head character designer and animation director and. Yeah, he mostly. I think he's still working, but he mostly worked in. He mostly sh- like shined in in the eighties. Mm-hmm. And this this really like shows uh, shows off what he's what he's able to do with yeah. his characters and what his design philosophies were. It's really neat. I I liked. I, I definitely liked. Okay, so yeah, it doesn't really make sense that these characters go on a very like dream world kind of ride after uh, like uh, once a girl figures out that her boyfriend is, is a cheating scumbag. Yeah. Um, but I kind of like those segments. They're really because it's imaginative. It's it's very imaginative. It's very it 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 it, it, it gives you a bit more. It gives you a bit more action uh, now that you're done with the drama. It kind of it kind of picks things back up a little bit more because things were kind of like. Kind of set at an even even tone here. I do love the kind of um, simplified energy of this of this short. Um, I don't uh, I don't uh, I I don't blame anyone for for saying like, hey, that second part was kind of weird, wasn't it? <laughs> I actually uh, I, and I actually kind of agree, but I still love it nonetheless because it's yeah. just 
It's so cool to look at. You get Unicron showing up. It's a great like, design. He's shooting hyper beams out of his of his weird bio mouth. It's fucking cool. Yeah, um, this this one is lower on my list because I think it's a fun little experience, but it feels kind of slight compared to the others. Like a lot of like there like there's as much substance to the imagination or the the. It's hard to explain, but I think it's good. Yeah, yeah um, and yeah, I will I also. I will also say uh, something that I don't think I've brought up because, like, the music is such a key and trademark part of this whole movie. The soundtrack's yeah, wonderful. It is. Um, do you know who did it? Who did it? Was it Joe Hisashi? It was. <laughs> I knew it. Okay. For those who don't know, he is the main composer for Ghibli and Miyazaki's movies. So cool. he has some street cred. Nice. Yeah, this uh, came out, yeah the, uh, the one thing I do like is when I was working on some animations, I put this on in the background. Yeah. And the music – here for this short was something I did kind of go back and uh, turn on from time to time. I like yeah, I think this is one of the more memorable like trademark tracks. Um, mm-hmm. And I will also say because something that I could see some people brushing up against is that because it's the '80s, this is a very synthy soundtrack. It is. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, I kind of feel like that works in the movie's favor because it's so quirky and unique. Like, why not make the the soundtrack a little unusual? Yeah, if you're in the synth wave, this was probably your this is probably your jam, because uh, the aesthetic of this short is still very, it's it's still very like mechanized, very eighties. Fun very fact: neon lights. Yeah. According to the liar notes, do you know what the the main inspiration for this uh, short's aesthetic was? What? The video for Take on Me. <laughs> That's cool. I love it. So there's some American influence there, which is funny. Yeah, actually, no, no, I guess you're well. European, yeah, yeah. The, the director and the band are European, so mm-hmm. Western influence. Um, next short, okay. I'm very curious to talk about this because this is we need to talk about cloud. Okay, we need to talk about <laughs> uh, cloud. Okay, okay. So, 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 so this little know. robot boy pops out of a cloud and walks in a corner for five minutes, mm-hmm. while various backgrounds and events are shown behind him, and it's intentionally done in a more cropped frame. It's this is the only one that's in 4-3, even to this day, because that's how they did the drawings. And it's a very limited, sketchy sort of animatic style to everything. The robot boy is the only fully animated part other than some really cool effects animation. But it's like monochrome colors. There's not as much of a plot. This is the short that leans the most on like an abstract art house feel the most. And I can definitely see it being the most divisive. Someone could, uh, someone, some dipshit could really, could just say, this one is just a boy walking against some clouds. The end. And um, I think that would be the most dishonest way of putting it. And it's, it's, I mean, it's a very simplified way of, sh- of saying it. But as a, if someone were to be into anime and very not impressed by like experimental stuff or uh, wanted something different then I could see them saying making that exact comment. Because I looked at Cloud, and I kind of... When I was baby anime fan, I thought that shit too. Yep. Um, but looking back at, back at it now, as I'm getting older, uh, and I start to understand animation a little bit more, and Cloud is probably my favorite one. That's interesting. Like, like yeah. I, I kind of have... 
not not a similar in that it's, it's not my favorite, but I had a similar uh, journey from my college days because I like this one the least by a mile when I originally saw the movie. And maybe it's just my taste changing or me maturing, but I have a way more respect for it now as this sort of both this meditative thematic experience and even just like zoning out and enjoying the the sensation of it. Zoning out is probably the the one takeaway that I could bring with I could bring out of cloud because there have been times when I would turn on cloud, yeah, and just work. Like I told I, I mentioned this not too long ago, saying that you know I, I would just turn I'll turn on uh, this anthology just for the music a couple of times. Yeah, um, but even though I remember a lot of these shorts from a young age. Cloud was actually the one I missed as a kid, uh, if I remember correctly. But mm. going back into it, um, coming back in, coming back to Robot Carnival and, and watching it as I got older, I started to see Cloud and I started to like form better opinions about it. And now I'm looking at it uh, now as a 37 year old adult, and I'm a bit more at peace with it. And I'm also looking at it at a more technical, very technical aspect because a lot of these shots very hard to do yeah are very hard to very hard to disseminate and you can kind of like with a couple of other ovas that have come out around that came that came out around this time like angel's egg and whatnot yeah um it still has that very ephemeral your uh, whatever interpretation you come up with might be the right one kind of feel and i have i have a and i have a good deal of respect for that kind of direction yeah, I I kind of yeah. feel like this is – because the idea is that this robot is just walking on some sort of journey. And the idea is at the end he gets the Pinocchio treatment and gets to become a real human boy. Mm-hmm. And I kind of get the sense that he's just experiencing life, the highs and lows. So we have a beautiful environment, but then we have a storm and like missiles in a mushroom cloud. Like, Yeah, the clouds the, in, the back room, in the background become like – they form like little communities of people or cherubs or cloud angels. And yeah. They interact. They interact with them. Yeah. They force hardship on this kid. Um, there are points when, on a technical aspect, there are points when I, uh, what, um, well, in preparing for this for this podcast, I would go back and just check out the first minute or so of this short to see if the drawings, the animations of him walking, um, uh, um, walking in tandem with the wind that's pushing him along, were different every time it faded out. And it faded, um, uh, and I was like, "Is it is it because he's smaller, or is it because he's bigger?" And I think they're different. They're different sets of animation within each clip. Different walk and, cycles. Yeah. So like the timing's a little different. One's like a few frames slower or a few frames faster. I get that actually would add up because presumably he got the same budget and crew and stuff, and mm-hmm. that meant like if you're doing more limited if you're doing more limited backgrounds and you're focused more on one character animation and effects animation you can go the extra mile with that character yeah so it feels like that when every time they messed with this character it was a whole new it was a whole new set of motions and energy and timing even if it was the exact same idea so the wind pushing against his back and he's kind of just like slowly trying to keep his balance so he doesn't like topple over as he's walking yeah each step that he takes feels a little heavier or a little bit more deliberate each time a new segment happens and 
there is, like you said, there are portions when they're uh, when the backgrounds explode with a nuclear uh, weapon or when a rocket just bursts from the ground. I think we or, see UFOs at some point too. Yeah, there were UFOs or a flock of a flock of birds erupt from his cloak that he ha- that he's wearing or there's oh man, I could gush about this. Like there's there's so much happening in the background uh, of this character and how it kind of feels like that this could be his state of mind or this could be what he's dealing with it's very it's, open to interpretation very much is and i love it for that like yeah definitely- there i'm hard-pressed to think of anything i've seen animation that is quite like cloud mm-hmm. and i again i feel like it's something that gets better with age because i feel like as you know as you mature you might get more out of it emotionally and thematically yeah uh, I also uh, – I gotta I do want to bring this up, but it's just a bit of a downer. The director for it died earlier this year. Oh, no. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I believe all the other directors are still alive. I don't know if they're all still working. But yeah, the uh, Manabu Ohashi was – he didn't do much directing besides this. He was mainly like a key animator and artist, which makes sense mm-hmm. given the, the approach. But yeah, this was – I'm pretty sure this was a very personal project to him. And um, rest in peace, man. He did a great work yeah. here such a shame it's so i mean this i mean it it's death happens to all of us it's and it's it happens it's the journey of of life that it feels like this this director was trying to impress into this little short i don't know because i don't know what the i don't know what the interpretation is but i do love how creative and imaginative it is and how technically solid it yeah. feels so, I, yeah. I went in expecting to put this at the bottom of my list like I did long ago and it's not in the higher ups but it's not the last either yeah. um, so the last couple of shorts uh, for me these last two conventional shorts you, we get back to back highlights for me these are these I actually feel like they kind of saved my favorites for last so this next one Japanese title they actually have different these two have different titles depending on whether you watch the Japanese or the streamlined version original title strange tales of Meiji machine culture westerners invasion <laughs> uh, that's a little bit of a mouthful so the main thing they call it here is simply a tale of two robots hmm. so no, that makes sense again this is um, the only other short besides uh, presence to have dialogue while presence was like we said, haunting, thought-provoking, kind of leaves you with lingering emotions. This one just wants to have fun. Yeah, it And does. it's a goofy, fun, exaggerated period piece where in feudal-era Japan, I guess I guess Meiji-era, this Western man-scientist just comes out of nowhere in a big, like, brick-lined, old-timey mech, yelling and rambling and being a kook, and basically Voltron comes out. Yeah. Uh, it is... To a T, the Voltron team. You got your traditional shonen hero. You got a chubby guy. You got a skinny guy. You got a little geeky guy. And you got one girl. Um, And they actually talk about how they were... There was a cultural festival going on, and they had built their own uh, mech, which is more like made of wood and and coal power and that sort of stuff. And they're like, we will do battle with you and defend our honor and blah, blah, blah. And the the catch is, because this is long ago and this technology is new even to them, (laughs) it's a lot more clumsy than you would think. Like, I... It's funny because I want to bring up – there's a lot of anime I like or love. I'm not that familiar with Japanese cinema itself. But something that's rarely clicked with me is their sense of humor, at least when you try and translate it directly. I just think that's what's come to be found culturally funny in Japan doesn't always land the same way here for me. But I find this short genuinely funny. Yeah. Uh, 
So all my homies hate this short. This short's the worst. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, okay, um, good. No, um, this short is this short is a lot of fun. Like it's just pure entertainment. Like remember when I when I, when I mentioned like a lot of anime is very cinematic and and I wouldn't really describe it as like cartoony at yeah. some point. Like this one is very slapstick. This is a cartoon. Like, it's yeah, it's still detailed, nice animation, especially on the robot. But it's about its backgrounds. But it's a cartoon. Yeah, these characters feel like uh, feel like hard nosed caricatures of actual people, just that, just simplified down to their core elements. And I love that. Yeah, I love I love that that these aren't like battle hardened kids who are oh trained, no these are punks. Trained, yeah, who are trained in war, and this is um, or like this is a political mad scientist who's out to do some very arbitrary thing for society. No, these are a bunch of fucking idiots <laughs> driving, <laughs> they're driving not, robots. They're not really smarter than the guy they're fighting. No, even, even though he's not. like this egotistical inventor. Um, yeah. But there's there's just a lot of. It doesn't. It, it's funny, even though you could say like the city's at stake. Like it doesn't feel that way. It just feels. Like let's just have fun. Um, yeah. And there's just there are little beats that work for me. Like I love the introduction. Do you remember the moment when the inventor first sees them? Yeah. He, they're like, here we are, and there's like this overly like comically long panning <laughs> series of shots. Like it cuts between backgrounds, so you think he's gonna have some big reaction. What he does is he puts one hand over one eye and goes, "What?" And then it just cuts straight <laughs> back. <laughs> like this, the, the the camera loves to have fun. Uh, I remember there was a shot where the mad scientist like fires a cannonball and there is the canna the, the camera is placed on the ground or is placed yes so you low. see from the uh, bystanders points of view yeah you see you see it so far down and you follow the the fucking cannonball as it as it blows towards our heroes and it's, it's it, you can tell like someone was like what if what if you were looking down at the you were looking up at these at at this violence and holy shit don't you think you should move <laughs> don't you don't yeah you that's the Cloverfield principle put the camera down <laughs> don't you think you should not be here actually <laughs> yeah yeah there's um there's there's just other funny stuff like I like because it's kind of taking the piss out of like big dramatic battles remember when they try and take their first step with the with the wooden robot and yes. they just kick a billion to pieces yes. like no no they just kick someone's house or something. It some comically shit. flies like, into the air, and it's just this like, stiff leg going up. Like, good job, guys. No one gave, no one trained you. Why do you have this? Excellent job. You saved the city. Great. Oh, no, they even touch on the end, like, man, most of the town's wrecked. But we saved the yeah. day. Um, yes. And Three there's days, other stuff I want to talk about. Like, okay, did you watch this in Japanese or English? Um, I watched it in Japanese. Have you ever seen the dub? I've I've seen both versions, but I vaguely, I don't remember, I don't remember the dub that well. Okay. Uh, you would have some thoughts because I want to touch on the interesting thing is in even Japanese, the scientist speaks English. Yeah. Yeah. I I was uh, looking at it on YouTube. He did speak English. I thought that was cute. Yeah. Because he's meant to be, I think he's meant to be American because his name is like John Jack Fulkerson. So a very Western sounding (laughs) name. Oh, the third. He's like, yeah. Um, so this was along with uh, with presence. This was when Streamline brought it over. They dubbed them, and they actually did go and redub the scientist because the, it, not the best acting from the original guy. It's a little it's a little stilted at points. Okay. Um, I, I looked it up. That that actor only has like the one credit, so it might have just mm-hmm. been like somebody's American friend or something. Yeah, so someone like they got the janitor or something. Something, but uh, <laughs> the Japanese people. They gave them like broad Japanese Asian accents, <laughs> so it's like, oh, 
oh, so many buildings are destroyed. So terrible. It's 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 that. It's Mickey Rooney and Breakfast of Tiffany's. Oh. Fuck, that's awful. <laughs> but it is God. just as a time capsule, I can't help but laugh at it. What do you think you're doing? What's wrong? All you've done so far is destroy half the buildings in the neighborhood. Oh, is that so? Listen, pick you up. You got testicle glory, how? So I like the part where they're uh, what the, when they're shooting at each other and everyone's freaking out. Yeah. And the Voltra team shoots the uh, shoots the mad scientist and they think that they, they scored a direct hit. Yeah, but, but it's he's not. He's bricklined. Yeah, he, he's like, well, <laughs> you fools. <laughs> I've actually covered my robot with bricks. And it's like, God, it's such a simple idea, but it worked. Yeah. Fuck, you got to give it to him, actually. And I love that uh, the leader is like, all right, so he's on the shoulder. So we'll fire at him instead of the robot. And the big guy goes, but that might kill him. <laughs> but that might kill him. That's the point, man. <laughs> Um, I also, my I think my favorite of Team Voltron is the guy piling the legs who just spaced out. Yeah, he doesn't. Like, he he you doesn't ready? Care I'm ready. He's, he's he's not care if he's there. He's oh like, yeah, like they, they get hit and their stuff falling down. He's just picking his nose. I was like, huh. <laughs> I also want to touch on a little bit about the dub. Um, a lot of veteran voice actors in there. The main female voice actress who voices both the girl in Team Voltron and the robot girl in Presence. This was actually one of her final roles. She died in a car crash right before. Oh, man, that's very uplifting information. John. Okay, here's more uplifting. Our, no! Uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm gen- this is genuine. The Because okay. uh, I, I always like to notice, like, who am I familiar with in this? Uh, our board guy, uh, you wouldn't guess it from the voice because it's just like this name. is like, I'm sad. It's Goldar. It's Goldar from Power Rangers? <laughs> Imagine, I'm ready. I'm going to get the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I like that. Yeah, that is funny. Um, but yeah, this is this is just a high for me. And I noticed that like I, I feel like it's strategically – one of the important things of watching in the intended order is that in both cases when we get heavier shorts like Presence or Cloud, we get a palette cleanser like Starlight Angel or Tail Tube Robots. Like, OK, let's let's lighten up a bit. Yeah. And that uh, and I think – and that was that was intentional I think because this has is – to be. Yeah, a lot of anthologies can't be just like gloomy after another or or shocking after another. Keep things it's, balanced. Yeah, it's very fun, and I like the slapsticky energy on this, even with the stupid cliches that they do, like with the stupid nerd running up the. Or running up the <laughs> yeah, I would say he gets a panty shot, but she's wearing pants. So she's I don't wearing know. pants, and I love I love that joke <laughs> that he's not really you can't really see anything because she's wearing pants. Yeah, yeah, that makes it more palatable to me. <laughs> Um, the last thing I'll say about this is that this made me realize that I really like it when they have Feudal Japan as like a goofy setting. Because uh, I loved that game Mystical Ninja back in the day. Aww, uh, also that. like Samurai Pizza Cats, revisited that recently. Yeah. Uh, but I realized like that setting hasn't been in vogue for like 20 years now. They just stopped doing that. They really did. And I wonder why. I mean – I maybe, uh, maybe Japan was in a retro mood back then. Maybe that era was big in, in culture and movies at the time. The last time I've seen Feudal Japan was probably uh, there was this Netflix show that came out. Uh, what was it? Um, it, it started a black dude as uh, a, a oh, black dude within with Feudal Lakeith Japan. Stanfield, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna um, look that one up. But I'm talking as, as like as like uh, comedies, like yeah, lighthearted yeah. comedies. Like they just that setting. They don't do that before. I mean anymore. I I, I hope that someone. I really hope that someone is that someone out there will look at Robot Carnival, look at this one specifically, and get a lot of comedic energy out of it. Yeah, because it's funny. Feel, yeah, and and feel like, man, 
I could probably work with that if I can research a little bit more about feudal Japan. That'd be fun. I would yeah, love also, the show you were thinking of is Izyasuke. Izyasuke, okay. I still need to watch yeah. that. Um, I heard it's – I've seen a – I've seen a few clips of it. It it wasn't really my jam, uh, but it, like it seems to encapsulate a lot of action, supernatural, um, a lot of robot tech. It's there's a lot in there. Uh, but I do I did I was interested because it did seem like they're going back to like very 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 old uh, uh, old time Japan. And yeah, and I'll, Yasuke I'll, was a a real guy brought overseas to be part of the royal guard. Oh wow! Did not know that there was an actual like black samurai. Neato. So, yeah, let's get into uh, the last of the conventional shorts. Uh, very straightforward title in English, which is called Nightmare. You, do you know the Japanese title? Uh, I think it was Chicken Man. Chicken Man and Redneck. Chicken Man Redneck. <laughs> A day at KFC. A day at KFC. I really, liked, I, re- I really liked how this short had a bunch of – like it starts out with a very – the animation is very realistic at first. It was rotoscopes, the regular yeah. Japanese people. Yeah, it, it, and then as the short continues, it gets very. The mood is very stark, very grim, honestly. Yeah. Um, and it becomes like, but the character animations become very cartoony. But yeah. even then, even then, the main human we get is very like American cartoony looking. Yeah, but even then, like you get a sense of foreboding through the entire short. Oh, uh, the music adds that too, especially the motif of the dun 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 dun. Yeah, I love this shot where there it's a low. Uh, 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 the camera's pointing up at these buildings, and it kind of swings left. Oh, I'm sorry, it swings right, and then it swings left. There's and a pendulum, like, yeah. Yeah, and it's at first it does it once, and you're like, "What the fuck? I don't see. You don't see that anymore. I mean, oh, well, you don't see that anywhere. That's, that's <laughs> you that, know, giant pendulums we used to have between buildings." Yeah, <laughs> you know, but uh, the, the, at, that's that's a weird thing to do in in, in, uh, uh, in movies. But then the pendulum comes in, and then uh, a whole bunch of lightning shows up, and then you find out that oh no, uh, this city is summoning uh, robot Satan. Who is this gone- is Night on Bald Mountain, the anime. <laughs> and now he's Gigantamaxed in the middle of Tokyo. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm down. This yeah, really dude, cool. I'm I'm not going to hold back. I love this short because it's just, <laughs> it gives off so much visual imagination. Like, this is like, let's just let loose with robot designs and concepts and movements and environments. And it's just such cool eye candy for five minutes. It really is. There's, there's so much detail and like, the, and, and like the cityscape and like the pipes and the wiring all these like, like junk pieces mashed together and like these robots coming out of machinery that are all like spindly and spiky and lanky and animal influenced it's great yes yeah, franken's dream had that level of detail too all of all of these shorts do yeah um but this one this one feels wild this one feels it's very, absolutely wild yeah this one feels very unrestrained Dude, we have a part where a bunch of little robots get smashed together into a fat chicken with tits. That's just our smashing stuff. I'm like, why does a chicken have tits? Why not? This is so unhinged. It's It's great. great. (laughs) And then the big robot goes, no, and zaps it. And all the little robots scurry away like gremlins. (laughs) 
He's like, nope, that's a bad idea. I'm going to get rid of it. Uh, and as an artist, same. I feel yeah. that. That's a mood. And we have, I love that, like, right-hand robot in the red Napoleon cloak on the flying vehicle. He's chasing that human. He's trying to keep it together. And you can see he's getting more and more frustrated and frazzled. There's a great shot where he's smashed a bunch of junk. And you see his weird, like, screw mouth contort into a grimace. There's, like, so much yeah. personality. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's, I, it's, I it's just so... Maybe maybe some people will be – I can see for some people they'll be like, this is too weird. This is too wild. For me, I, every time I watch this, I'm just like, I'm all in. I'm having so much fun. It's weird. It's uh, – but in like the best way, like this is to me the energy of anime, right? Like this, this shows – this to me like shows like what cartoons could also be. This feels like a fucking Don Bluth movie, honestly. Like you remember in All Dogs Go to Heaven when Charlie has that nightmare and he goes to hell? Yeah. That's what this feels like. This feels like the hell portion. <laughs> but with robots. With robots. All robots don't go to heaven. <laughs> like, this has that very, very crazy kind of um, kind of mood to it. And every character gesture, it's feel, it, it feels like it feels like such a show of jesters. Yep. Like like fucking clowns. But they're great clowns. They're clowns that you could have a that you have a great time with, but they're trying to kill you too. That sounds like clowns. <laughs> that does sound like clowns. <laughs> Pennywise wanders in and is like, what I miss, guys. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so this is that this is just a fun going, like letting loose before we wrap things up. So mm-hmm. we get to our final segment and I want to say first off, so it's worth noting if you saw this movie long ago, you didn't see the full credits because okay. We get this first thing. This is going back to the the titular robot carnival in the desert, and we see, I guess, sometime later, it's on its last legs. It breaks down. The letters fall off. It it dies. Yeah. Um. You the, but you see the sun setting on it. Yeah, it's symbolic. And then here's the thing: the original version, before we get to the regular black and white credits, like a lot of movies today, we have an initial section where there's a bunch of like key art and animation behind like the director and cast credits. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get these still paintings showing a more modern-looking, civilized world with skyscrapers and cities and helicopters where the robot carnival is going around entertaining people. Huh. So it's like this wasn't always this more alien world, and maybe the robot carnival contributed to mankind's downfall, but we're not telling you. Damn. It's that's, it's that's a little bit of like there's definitely some thought put into the history of this world, even if they're not going to spell it out. Wow, I didn't think about that. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, I think it's on that. the uh, the YouTube and Crunchyroll version. I, I would be shocked if it wasn't on the DVD you have because they, they aim to get it as authentic as possible. But maybe you just I, missed that. I didn't see it on the YouTube version. Oh, um, maybe. YouTube also has it, I noticed, in a different order. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, what I'm sticking it. to is where what most of the versions before had. And I think it's the intended order by the filmmakers. So I'm, it's both that and what I'm used to. So I'm going with that. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but the actual ending uh, is if it's just another more like let's do darkly violent where it's later. It's like the robot carnival becomes a bunch of ruins covered by sand. This one guy passes by on like a llama or something and finds this one orb. He's like, oh, I'll take it to my family. And there's like this kids, the wife of the baby. Oh, what can go wrong? What can uh, go wrong? And they wrong? He opens the orb and it's one of those little ballerinas. And oh, it's dancing. And there's music. They're clapping and laughing and kaboom. Kaboom. And Dead. that's the end. <laughs> and it's and the house is replaced with big metal letters like the thing, but it just says end. 
And it's, it's cow and chicken principle. It's, and it's very cow and chicken, just without Charlie Adler screaming at the end. <laughs> and and you can see the llama, the one survivor, is like on oh, its back, shit, shit, like he's a turtle or something. Um, it's, it's, it, it's a very fun, also dark comedic. Uh, comedic <laughs> let's game. kill a family, <laughs> uh, but it's not gory or anything. So you can you can roll with it. So yeah, that is Robot Carnival. What a ride! What a ride indeed. So I, I, we got to wrap up, but before we do, we had, let's do we'll go over this really quick. Um, I told Chris, let's do our ranking and of, of least favorite to favorite and why. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to? Uh, you go first. All right. I will say that I cheat a little bit by giving some ties to certain uh, segments. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, we'll say that that may get to the end. All right. So I do have Deprive at the bottom. I think it's cool. I think it's flashy. I think it's stylish. But I think it's uh, it's – aesthetically the most derivative of what other anime you got at the time so it's mm-hmm. i respect this movie a lot for the unique stuff it did and so this kind of has like a detriment there in my in my eyes but it does have an awesome villain and music and action and tentacle arms um after that we have starlight angel which again i think it's it's neat it's kind of unique in its own right i just i will always find that second half a little bit of a swerve Mm-hmm. Um, even when I contextualized it in my head. So uh, if they had kept up the energy the first half, it would probably be higher. Uh, after that, we have Cloud, which I, again, would you know, years ago would have been at the straight bottom, but I'm older and wiser now. I'm not uh, tuning my own horn. That's just, that's mm-hmm. how human, humankind works as you grow. And so this strikes more of a chord with me now. I, I think I see what the director was going for. RIP to him, by the way. You left uh, cool body work behind. Uh, after that, we have the intro and outro, which I count as one short. Uh, it's mm-hmm. darkly humorous, beautiful, beautifully animated explosions and robots. And like we didn't even talk about how like the robots are on their own little like treads. I don't know the name for it, but you know it's like like a stick sticking to like a, like an indent in the doors and stuff. Like yeah, great touches like, like that. It looks like they're on their own track. Yeah, yeah, a track. It's a great touch. I, it's cool. Um, and then we get into the ones that I really like. So we have uh, Franken's gears again. I just love the vibe this gives off. I love this. This main character. I love the music. It gave me when it gets into the more like trippy, calm music. It's very. It gives me Chrono Trigger vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we. So for our top three, we have Presence. Look, this is a universally loved short for good reason. Uh, it's ambitious. It's pretty. It really leaves an impression on you. It and it's haunting. Like I said, how many cartoons can you say are haunting? Um, so props to that. And then as a tie, we have Nightmare and a Tale of Two Robots. Like we, like I said, uh, for me, they save the best for the tale, and, and it's just a fun note to go out on. Uh, and fun, it also seems to be funny and like visually stimulating and creative. So uh, let's hear your ranking, Chris. Okay, so uh, obviously before I begin, like all these shorts are really fucking great, and I would watch them, watch them, watch any of them any, time, any day of the week. Um, so... Uh, if I have one that is lo- way lower in your list, don't take it personal. I won't. I think it, yeah, I, I, and this goes to the viewers too. Like, watch this anthology if you haven't. Watch already. the whole thing. Decide for yourself. Yeah. Anthologies are so subjective. I've noticed. Yeah, it's like and just you, just watch the whole thing. And if you love anime, like this is this this is cream of the crop stuff. Like, yeah, I'm not and even, it's I'm not even, especially if you want to be more acquainted with like the history of anime, not just what's current and and, and yeah. hip. Like, I'm get not, a history I'm, lesson. And I'm not talking like nostalgia either. Like this, this is this is tech. This is on a technical level, like really strong stuff. Yes, as well. So, um, bottom of my list is actually the intro and outro, mm. uh, and um, uh, and they're low only because they're so little. It has a very strong narrative thread, um, but but for me, by the end of it, 
it, it felt more it was definitely more of a wrap up and it felt really sad um but i just put it at the bottom of a list because that's not what this uh, this those two segments are just to wet your palate uh or wet your appetite on what these are supposed to be kind of let you um, know like it's starting and it's over yeah these this is the appetizer so i put the appetizer down on the bottom because it's not on the main course mm. um so uh after that comes franken's gears um or, uh, which i which i do think is a good short but it didn't hit, it didn't hit me in the way uh in a way that the other yeah again are. it's a very the main complaint the main criticism i think we both have it's a very simple plot stretched out a bit Mm-hmm. And a lot of these do have simple plots, and I don't think that's bad. I just think that uh, for me, it just it, it didn't give me the in, it didn't give me an impact uh, as strongly as the other ones did. That's sure. Um, so uh, you're going to be mad at me, but I'm not. I'm not. As, as much as I love that short, Chicken Man and Regnet comes next. Okay. Um, and that one I also love very much, and I get a lot of, uh, and and I have a lot of. I have I have a lot of fond memories of it, and there are a lot of really good technical shots, uh, or a lot of good shots that I thought were technically very good. But again, a lot, I thought the other ones were stronger. Sure. Um, so let's see. That was intro, outro. That was um, Franken's gears, chicken and Man, nightmare. Yeah, and uh, chicken man and nightmare. What else was there? Chicken man there and nightmare. Was, <laughs> um, nightmare and redneck. Now that's a movie. Starlight Angel comes next. Okay. Uh, um, and Starlight. Uh, honestly, for the same reasons that you that you touched on, um, it'd be a little higher. But again, that second act is a bit of a swerve. Even is a bit of a swerve, even though I love it. Yeah. Um, next comes. Uh, next comes. I'm about to do the decent. That's joke again. I'm sorry. Next comes deprive. Um, deprive was um, deprive. I thought was good, uh, but it was flashy. And I don't even, I don't know why I said but, but it was cool that it was flashy. And um, the pie was pretty good, but it is cool. <laughs> but it is cool as well. <laughs> I'm it's, doubling down. I'd honestly give Deprive and Starlight Angel a bit, a bit of a swapping kind of slot. I'd say they're tied, honestly, because mm-hmm. I, I like them both for the, uh, uh, I like them both for similar reasons and the aesthetic that, that that they convey and the simplistic stories that they tell. They're still conventional, but I still like them a lot. Second comes. Did I already say Tale of Two Robots? You did not. I, I did not. Tale of Two Robots comes third. Uh, only, only be uh, it, it's it's pretty low uh, on the top three. Uh, it's on the bottom of the top three, but it does a lot of things technically well, and it does kind of flip the genre on its head a bit. I, I think at that time, giant giant robots were starting to become the thing. Right, like around that time when Gundam was starting to appear, they already were. Uh, I yeah. actually the documentary talks about how a lot of them were working on like the the model and figure driven like uh, mech series. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of those series were very were very serious, and they were talking about like you know war and politics and all that. Yeah, but this one devastation. This, and this one is this one is just. But what if what if that? But also a fucking cartoon. <laughs> what if that? What if all? What if war between two giant robots? But also um, driven by idiots on both sides. Yeah, I like that. That's that's super cool. Uh, so that's number three. Uh, number two comes presence for all the reasons that we stated when presence uh, 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 when we watch presence. There's really nothing else like it. Yeah, it's 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 uncomfortable, but also in a really good way. Like it, it really gets your really gets you thinking about 
so this is what it means to be a robot and when your creator fucking hates you. <laughs> yeah. And we didn't even touch on the ending, which you can take in many different ways. Yeah. Yeah, like that, like, you know, forgiveness or the fact that his guilt caught up to him and he just, I don't know, just fucking died like an Advent Children character uh, or or Kingdom Hearts character. I See, know. I view it that that was – the last scene was his, another vision or hallucination he had because he imagined the girl dying before – that's right, yeah. But I can see well, that you could take it literally and it's just it, – there's a supernatural ethereal uh, bent to it as well. It it really lets you decide. Yeah, it, it, and I like endings like that, that the, end, that the ending is up to the viewer to figure out for themselves. So I guess that leaves Cloud as my first one, yep. uh, as, as, as my most favorite, only because it's so ephemeral. I think it's very beautiful and what it, um, and what it, uh, what it tries to say. It is confusing, and I do understand if people are, don't really think that highly of it. But me personally, I think it's probably—I think it's probably one of the most effective ones because I can—I can look at it, I can watch it, I can be entertained by it, and use my imagination uh, in a way where, I, where I'm kind of filling in the blanks of the story that is being impressed upon me. Not every, not every film or story has to have a definable message or a clear theme spelled out to them and i i understand that's the very that's i understand that we've been kind of conditioned to want that with our films or with our stories i but i still think that it's okay to have stories that are very open and also very creative and still invoke a sense of beauty and imagination and cloud does that for me yeah. Uh, again, much like Presence, there's nothing quite like it, and it left me with a uh, a real sense of these nuts. Good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I'd I'd thought of a better pun for that. No, that that was good. That, that actually caught me off guard. I that thought- was that was the intention. I was like, through <laughs> being clever, let's just catch him off guard. I thought I honestly thought you were like glitching out at first. I was like, "Whoa, what's going on?" That was a good one. You got me. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Turnabout is fair play. Um, but yeah, that I guess brings this episode to a close. Again, I think it's we don't even need to say that we both recommend a Robot Carnival. That should be obvious. Absolutely. It's a one of a kind film from a very unique time in anime history that shows like some of the best of what it was capable of uh, because. There, there's such a wide variety of tones and styles. It's likely that not every short will be to your liking, but it's also likely that some of it will just tickle you the right way and just you'll adore them. And again, this is so easy to view if you, it's on YouTube for free. I'd also recommend if you have a Crunchyroll account, view it on that because it's in the right order. And we're again, we're not sure. I haven't watched the whole thing on YouTube, but maybe that cut out the credits I was telling you about. Hmm. But again, also, if you fall in love with it after that, get the uh, the DVD or Blu-ray by Discotech. It's a fantastic release and uh, remaster. I know I will at some point. Yeah. So that brings things to a close. I know Chris has a, a meeting he needs to get to, so I will not keep you much longer. But I want to thank you again for coming on. It's always great oh. to talk these, especially ones like these that kind of have we kind of have some personal history with. I wasn't yeah. sure how long how long ago your history went back with, but it's cool that you're part of the OG uh, '90s Discovery and crowd for it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, me, I'm a little late, but still not recently. And again, where can uh, people find you and your projects? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at it's me, Chris Wade. Um, you can also find me at mastodon.art with the same handle, it's me, Chris Wade. Um, you can also find me on YouTube at Sparkflow Studios LLC. Yeah, that's it. Thanks oh, for doesn't me, Will Monsters have an account too? Uh, Will of Monsters does have a Twitter account. Thanks for reminding me, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the Twitter account for Will of Monsters is just Will of Monsters on Twitter. That's it. Easy I mean, to remember. Well, Easy to get yeah. to. Yeah, definitely follow that. I have been aware of this project for several years and got to see an early animatic of it. I'm very excited for the full thing. But yeah. good art takes time. Thanks for having me, dude. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, and uh, we don't have a current an idea of who the next guests will be. I have some people I'm going to reach out to so I can't give uh, an estimate of the the guest or topic but we've had a cool run lately with uh maybe we'll get to more something more mainstream i mean we already did t- talk mainstream with arcane so who knows uh i like to be i like to be unpredictable that's how i roll <laughs> cool just but don't uh roll, just ro- don't roll off of giant sand dune uh and have your <laughs> have your giant logo just kind of fall off <laughs> on top of the village. that was beautifully animated by the way the letters it falling was. off that was it some was. accurate building shit it really um, was but uh, yeah, that will do it for for that. And we have talked about a movie that was, as the tagline goes, oh, let me pull it up. Great timing. I, I, I had, I thought I had it memorized. Here we go. Nine animators, one vision. Bye, Carl. Yeah. Good night. Very, very cool. Bye, everyone.